So we're continuing. Um, a while back, Pastor started, and this is just something that he values here at Victory Church. It's leadership. And in every aspect of our lives, we want to incorporate, you know, the word. So it's all word-based, so you'll see that as we go through. So let me ask you some questions. Are there any husbands in the room? So when I ask these questions, raise your hands. Husbands. All right. Any wives? Any parents? Any children? Older siblings? Younger siblings? Anybody that are pet owners? Anybody that works? Anybody that are students? How about any Christians in the rooms? All right. Thank you. Awesome. So as you answered those questions and said yes to many of them, I am speaking to leaders in the house. All right? For the simple fact that you have answered these questions as a yes, I say to you that in every one of those questions that I asked, there were questions pointed about influence. So that's the reason I asked that question. You see, leadership is about having the ability to influence others. And if you're in any area, any one of those questions that you answered yes to, and there are many other questions that I could have asked, but we would be here for a long time. But if you have answered yes, and you have influence with anyone, you are leading somebody. Because influence means that if you're able to do that, they're going to look at you to be an example for them. And that's where we're headed with tonight. And we're going to discuss a value that all influencers, all servant leaders, um, and most importantly, we as Christians should imbib. Okay? So um, have you faced things in this world? Are you facing things now in the world that are not pleasant in your home? Are you? In your workplaces? In schools? When you're shopping? Things that are just like really bothersome to you? My Jesus, I said today at the coffee counter, I looked at some of the girls, I said, I feel like this week my Jesus have been stretched real bad. (laughs) It's just been stretching. People are just pulling and my emotions are just pulling. So I know that I face things. But as I face things, I need answers for these things that I'm facing. You see, in each of us lies and rests potential. And the potential that I'm talking about is because simply because of Christ Jesus, he's in you. And because he's in you, you have the greatest potential of anybody else you'll ever meet. And especially if they don't have Jesus, you've got great potential on the inside of you. Um, We have the potential to provide answers to life crises that may come up and to the confusion that we now sense in our world around us, in our school places, workplaces, even in our homes. You know, I've had my kids and We're not a perfect family. My family is dysfunctional. Yours might be perfect, but we're just, we're perfectly unperfect because I am imperfect, right? And when things come up with my kids, I've never looked, I really haven't done this. I I really didn't go to, not for any reason, I went to the Lord first, but I didn't go to anyone just like really breaking down. I had, you know, confidants that I would go to. But I would I would get real quiet before the Lord and say, Father, you have given me Isaiah Hanaliah. And now Elijah, everybody knows Elijah, (laughs) you have given me these four kids, God. So with them, I know that you have already given me the answers that I need for whatever it is that I'm facing. Now help me to walk in the wisdom that you've provided. Does that make sense? So I know because Christ is in me, I have that potential to answer the questions that do come up. So one common thread of some of the world's most influential, powerful, and successful people in the whole world People that have, you know, made history, that are changing history, 
um, offering solutions to the problems that we're facing is that they are all avid readers. Go do the research, you'll find it. Go to first Google, you'll find it. So Bill Gates, he is recorded um, to Bill Gates, William Henry Gates, the second or the third, can't remember those, that last part of his title. Um, but he reads at least minimum 50 books a year. And I can't remember how many pages a day that he just reads. Warren Buffett, who knows who Warren Buffett is? Warren Buffett, he is uh, $84 billion network plus. I think now it's at 87 plus. He's a philanthropist. He gives away probably about $46 billion, not million, dollars a year to causes for orphanages, for disadvantaged youth, for cancer causes, diseases, you know, you name it, things that I believe that God has called the church to change. Here are people who are doing that. And he reads 80% of his day because of the, you know, season in life that he's at. He reads 80% of the day. It's occupied with ingesting things that he's reading from a plethora, from a variety of different sources. So is reading important? So both of these, they attribute their successes not only to people in their lives, but um, to reading as well. And they have said this. The greatest leader, who was the greatest leader in the whole wide world? Yes, thank you for your answer right there, Lisa. Jesus Christ, he is the greatest leader, the greatest world changer that we will ever know. Thousands of years ago, he changed the world, and he still continues to have that impact and in effect today. So the word teaches us that Jesus as a child in Luke 2, verse 40, it says, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. As a young man, Jesus became strong in his spirit, mind, intellect, and in his understanding. He therefore increased in knowledge. He increased in strength. He increased in his character. And Jesus, as a young man, grew physically, mentally, and also spiritually. Luke 2.52 says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and in man. The Amplified Bible says, And Jesus increased in wisdom in a broad and full understanding and in stature in years, and he increased with favor with God and man. Other translations use the sayings that Jesus became wiser and he became more mature. Jesus matured just like any other Jewish boy his age. The difference with Jesus was that he went after understanding, and we see this is proven time after time in the text of Scripture. Luke 2, 46 through 47 teaches us that after three days, I would have whooped him. After three days, his parents, Mary and Joseph, they found him in the temple courts. Jesus disappeared on them, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him, they were so astonished at his understanding and the answers that he gave from what he listened to. The Greek word used here in Luke 2, verse 47, um, for understanding is synosis, or yeah, Sunesis, I said it right. That's strong, Sean, if you want to pull that up, Strong's 4907. It means a putting together, quickness of apprehension, the critical faculty for clear apprehension, intelligently assessing a situation. How would you like to have the ability to intelligently assess a situation when crisis is coming right at you, that you have the ability to see right through that and give an answer to it? Would you like that? I'm telling you, you've got the potential to do that, but it comes 
at a price. It comes with us making an investment, and tonight we're going to go there. Um, it's connecting the dots. So what this word, sunesis, means, it's connecting the dots. In our, in our comprehension, it's putting two and two together. I love to be able to put two and two together, and it actually comes out to be four, Kim, four. All right. Jesus, even with common courts, four. Jesus, too, had to discover the plan of God for his life as a child. And as we see from scripture, he was a student of the word. How do we know this? The word says it. Um, he was actively listening, reading, and asking lots of questions. Luke 4.16. So my example tonight, in case you missed it, it's Jesus. Okay, he's our example. Luke 4.16 says, So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom... Um, was he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. So how can we tell that he actually knew the word and was filled with the word? Glad you're thinking that. Luke 4, verses 4, 8, and 12. These are the verses that talks about his temptation when the enemy came at him, when the devil came at him. And I'm sorry, these weren't in your notes. These are my notes. It's an aside from this handout that we have tonight. Um, Each of these verses, Jesus just spoke the word of God every time Satan tempted him. He would have actually had to have known and understood the word to speak it and to be able to apply it to what he was being tempted with. Because the devil, when he heard this, he stopped his assault against him. And here's why I say that, you know, he actually had to know it. And this is just being deposited into me as I'm teaching He actually had to know it because there was an instance in the Bible where they were saying, well, you know, we're trying to, in your name, trying to cast out these devils and demons, but they're not going. And Jesus said, oh, ye of little faith, because they were trying to do something without the comprehension of what it really meant to walk in that power. Amen. So we have to understand the word in the fullness. And we're going to talk this evening about how we begin. This is like beginning stages and how we do this. And you may know how to do this even better than I know how to do this. Um, John 12, verses 49 through 50 says, and this um, was the Lord. He says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. Verse 50 says, And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. The Bible bears all of what the Father has to say to us. Jesus spoke what was written, and it is what we should also be speaking to every area of our lives. But how will we speak something if we don't know it? 1 Peter 4, verse 11 teaches, If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. We all need to be hiding God's word. Psalms 119, I think it's verse 11, says that we should all be hiding God's word in our hearts. And the reason that we hide it is so that we wouldn't fall into sin. So as near as Jesus is being stretched this week, I didn't put it on a shelf. It was still there. It was just being stretched a little bit. I had to remind myself, even tonight in worship, I had to remind myself who I am in Christ, what the Lord has called me to do, and just be so focused on that so I can drown the enemy's voice out of my head because he comes. So now that I've drawn your attention and shown you that you are, by the questions that I set you up with before, that you are an influencer. 
a leader. And just because you're a Christ follower, one of our greatest aims should be to develop a love for reading the Bible, for reading the Word of God. So we too, like Jesus, can connect the dots to bring solutions to not only what we face, but to solve issues that comes up in our spheres of influence in our lives. Amen? So um, on your first page there in your handouts, I don't have a copy of it, but I've transferred some of it to my notes. On the first page, I'm not going to take the time to read all of that historical data. You can do that when you go home and I, and put these notes together and apply them because little life, you know, inch by inch, life's a cinch. So what we practice in the little, we own in the big too, but we've got to be, um, purposeful and intentional with it. So why read the Bible? The Father's will for our lives is found in the Word of God. So the will of God is known by the Word of God. Jesus is the Word made flesh. Everything that he has to say um, to us is found in what I call his love letter to me. So if I want to know what God has to say about something, I go to the Bible first. I really don't call a friend. I don't play the call a friend card or call the pastor card. I call the word card first. That's where I head to. E.W. Kenyon said, our attitude towards the word of God determines the place that God has, that he has in our lives. So why read it? Simple. Because we want to know what the father has planned for us. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans of a future and a hope and an expected end. Wouldn't you like to know what that expected end was? So you're not running around in a tizzy. You're not always frazzled when something comes up in life. I promise you, to every knee that you have, the answer is found in the word of God. It is found in the word of God. And as long as we live, we will battle with an enemy whose complete goal is to absolutely destroy you and destroy any prospects that your children and your thousand generations that God has promised to bless. His whole goal is to take them out. So if he can take get to you as a unit in your house, he's going to get to your kids. He will. And if you don't have the weapons, because you see the weapons of our warfare, they are not flesh and blood. They're not carnal. But they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. Those weapons are the word of God. That is what of all of heaven responds to. It's the words. It's not what I say to you. It's not what Tara has to say to me that's going to move heaven. It's God's words that's going to move heaven. Amen? So 2 Timothy Timothy 3, verses 16 through 17 in the Amplified Classic Edition says, Every scripture is God-breathed, given by his inspiration and profitable for instruction, for reproof, conviction of sin, for correction of error, and discipline in obedience, and for training in righteousness and holy living in conformity to God's will and thought, purpose and action, so that the man or woman of God may be complete and proficient, well-fitted, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And any job interview, if you tell them I'm proficient at something, their ears open up when they're doing the hiring process because proficiency says that, you know what, I'm talking to the 10 out of 10 right here. All right, if God says that his word has given us instructions to be proficient in life, I want proficiency in my life. I I want to complete the race, right? We want to complete it. And we are called to bear as much fruit for the kingdom. But how can this be done if we don't know what kingdom principles are? So we read the Bible because, A, the Bible is life-giving. So now we're in your notes. The Bible is life-giving. It is unlike any other set of written words that you will ever read. It literally is alive. Jesus said, these words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. The Bible was written over thousands of years by God. 
as he gave men the words to write, the Bible is literally God breathed. So when we read it, God can cause us to understand its deeper meanings. The Holy Spirit, he is the revealer of the word of God. If you are born again, if you're not, come see me after service. But if you're born again, that means that you have surrendered your life to the Lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is in you. And when he, when you accepted him into your life, you got the Holy Spirit. And because you have the Holy Spirit, you have everything in you for life and godliness. You have a comforter. You have the, your best friend. You've got the revealer of everything. Every secret of heaven will be made known to you if you apply yourself to that. B, there are two kinds of knowledge. There are, they are sense knowledge and revelation knowledge. As, um, as is implied by the term, sense knowledge is obtained through our five natural human senses, sight, sound, touch, smell, and taste. The average person would say that knowledge cannot be obtained um, through our five senses. But then it is not read, or am I reading that right? Then it is not real and therefore does not exist. That knowledge is not real and it does not exist. As Christ followers, we recognize that there is another part of our beings Um, that can receive and obtain knowledge as well. We call it our spirit or our inner man, the inner man of the heart. 1 Peter 3, 4 is where you find that. The Bible has the ability to speak to our spirit or to our inner man. God has, through the Holy Spirit, the ability to speak to us on the inside. Spirit to spirit, because we are a spirit. Um, Humans have three parts to their design. We are spirit beings who live in a body, and we have a soul. Because our souls are closely connected to our spirits, we can receive understanding from the Holy Spirit through our spirit and our soul. Also, because our soul is connected to our conscious minds, this understanding can be put into a language that is shared. This is the Bible. We can literally know the mind of God as it is revealed to us through the reading of the Word of God. This knowledge is also called revealed. Um, or inspired knowledge. I love the revelation word because when you get it, it's like no one can take it away from you. And have you ever gotten that? You didn't have to go to a book. You didn't have to go to anything. You're reading your Bible and it's like the words lift off the page of it. And then you get an understanding of it. And that's when the Holy Spirit, you know, he is active. He's working inside of you. So True God-inspired biblical knowledge is eternal truth. No one can snatch it away from you. Unlike facts, truth does not change. Fact is, and we've talked about this before, fact is the doctor might say, I have cancer. The truth says, by his stripes, I am healed. So whether I feel it or not, what I know, I have to allow, you know, when I was going through some things young in my Christian walk 25 years ago, you know, someone looked at me, they said, Mary, you're like always smiling. You look like nothing's ever wrong. I was like, because my heart learned very early in my walk with the Lord that it will Always convince my face of what it knows. Sometimes you might see a tear coming, but there's joy on the other side of that because my heart is convinced that if God is for me, no one can stand against me. So true God-inspired biblical knowledge is eternal, and unlike facts, the truth will never change. And therefore, we can always depend on it. For example, we have the revealed knowledge of God's love, God's love is revealed to us, not through our senses, but through our spirit, our inner man. Don't you know that you're forgiven? If you don't come talk to us too, we can help you with that. Because when God forgives, he forgets and he loves you just as if nothing. That's the justification. That's the justified work of Jesus on the cross. That when he looks at you, he sees Jesus. 
He doesn't see those things of our past. So see, the Bible is a form of spiritual food for us, spiritual food. It has the ability to strengthen our trust in God and to challenge our thoughts and our ideas. Since we are new, a new species in Christ, we follow the teachings of Christ and we are empowered, is that other blank, empowered to live lives that are more fulfilling and successful. John 10, 10, that's the abundant life that the word of God talks about. Jesus taught that if you followed his teaching, you will know the truth. And it is a truth that absolutely 100% sets you free. Amen. So you have to ask yourself, is there anything that I do over and over again that causes me to live a life less than for a life to live a less than fulfilled life? Sorry. And if so, then identify it and seek scriptures for answers. Jesus promised that there would be truth that you could find that would help with whatever you want to see changed. Many times, problems in our lives are simply the result of not knowing something. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like, man, what do I do? Walls are caving in. I promise, I promise, guys. You know those moments when I got in the closet and even today I'll get in my car where no one's around me and those windows are up and at the top of my lungs, I will scream out the name of Jesus until I have no voice left in me. And answers come because that means I'm at my wits end. And somebody said this evening to me, I can't remember, in my weakness, he is made strong. His strength is perfected when I'm at my wits end and there's no answers. Jesus is always there. All right. So he has um, Jesus promised that there would be truth that you could find that would help you whatever you in whatever it is that you want to see change. Many times problems in our lives are simply the results of not knowing something. Since the Bible is full of truth, it can help us to understand what is really going on in our lives. It can help us to separate what might look like truth, but is really not um, from what is truth. That's what James was talking about in the book of James. He said it's like a man. The word of God acts like a mirror in our lives. It's like we look at it and sometimes we walk away and forget who we are. But when you see the word again, then you remember who you are. The word is a reminder and it will sharpen you up. All right. So why try to figure out what God already knows? Pray and ask him to reveal it to you from the Bible and then trust him that he will do that. So D, don't expect. And this is a big one. So, you know, we use the word all the time, but don't expect non-Christians to understand the word. It was written for Christ's followers. The Bible is spirit and it is life and it must be revealed by God's spirit, which lives in Christ's followers. When a person becomes a Jesus follower, he or she will have the capacity to understand the Bible like you and I can. They will because Holy Spirit will reveal to them as well. Even this morning I was reading in Luke where, you know, and sometimes as people come in and I just feel like I need to go this little rabbit trail for just one little second. When people come into the kingdom and they start learning at a pace and they're wanting to do things, the disciples, I think it was in Luke 9, when they saw that um, some people were casting out demons and healing people in the name of Jesus, they say, Rabbi, should we just like call fire down from heaven onto them? And Jesus said, listen, he said, you know not what man or what spirit you're from. He said, because I have come that their lives would be healed and saved. So when people start understanding that you thought, especially, I'm speaking to somebody, especially your families, when they get saved and they start walking good, don't start thinking, man, I can't, can't believe they're walking like they've done nothing wrong. Remember when you did wrong and you started walking like you did nothing wrong? It's the same grace we got to offer. 
right? I just felt inclined to just go. I'm following my spirit, y'all. Um, so don't expect non-Christ followers to follow the word of God like we do. But when they do start following, cheer them on. Be a cheerleader. Cheer them on. 1 Corinthians 1.8 in the NLT says, The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved knows that it is the very power of God working in us. Okay? So don't try to take your pearls, that is the precious word of God, and cast it to people who do not understand it. Hold it back. All right. Number two, how to read the Bible. Um, Read, A, that blank there, read the Bible with the attitude that it is literally true. If at first you do not understand a passage, make a note, set it aside. As you read more, understanding and clarity will come. Holy Spirit will do that. You got to accept the authority of the word. First Thessalonians 2.13 says, Sean, this is not in there. This is in my notes again. When you receive the word of God, this is Paul talking, um, which you have heard from us, you accepted, as, you accepted the word not as the word of men, but as the word of God which is at work in who in you who believe. So when we hear the word of God, believe it is the authority of God himself speaking to you. When I hear the word, guys, my heart's at attention. That's why when pastor's preaching up and hear anybody's preaching the word, I am listening attentively and I know that it's looking like the phone's going on, but I have verbatim notes that's going on in there. Because when, when my kid, Elijah, fell asleep, one day I said, you know, sit up. I said, the word of God is being preached. Yeah, because it's like God himself talking. When I hear the Bible, something inside of me just rises up. This is what I was born for. B, if you're digging into the Bible for the first time, read the following books first. So pastor has on here, the book of Mark tells the story of Jesus's humanity. John describes his divinity. Acts gives you an understanding of the early church. Romans provides insight. It's a great book to read and memorize. Um, to help you in your walk with the Lord. It, it provides insight into salvation through faith. Genesis tells the, you know, our beginning story, where we um, originated from, and Exodus gives insight into the history of the Jewish people. And I do like to add this in there. You know, when I think of Bible, I, I like to put it into context. And we'll talk a li- I'll talk about that as we go. But C, when you have finished the above, select a read the Bible in a year plan. So in a year, is that blank there? And read through it. And if you don't want to do it by yourself, and if you forget, don't worry. Pick up where you left off. Okay, don't be so hard on yourself. One final note of encouragement, as exciting as the Bible is, staying fresh, is that blank, can become a problem for many readers, especially when they find themselves in the middle of long lists of genealogies and ceremonial laws. We will celebrate those feasts that are in the Bible, y'all. But the genealogies are there for a reason, and I am a little bit of a geek with that. So don't worry about this. If it becomes long and drawn out for you and you skip it over, don't worry. Um, God isn't grading, is the other word that goes in there. He's not grading us and our ability to recall those details. He's not going to ask you who begat who, and this one begat that one. He won't ask you that. All right? He just wants you to meet him in his word. Have a date with daddy. Okay, three, expect God to speak to you through the Bible. So as you read the Bible, God will impress, is that blank, impress upon you areas in your life that may need adjustment. Um, Though It's one thing to read about it, but it's another thing, and the other blank there, to adjust your life to the new truths that you discover or uncover in there. 
A good example would be in Ephesians 5.22 or 5.25. It says, wives, submit, your, your, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, is the blank, the Lord. That's Ephesians 5.22. And husbands, love your wife just, blank there is, as Christ, love the church, and gave himself up for her, Ephesians 5.25. Notice the balance. The wife is asked to place her life, that's what that means, place her life in the care of a husband who loves her enough to give his life for her, to die for her, all right? And how do we make these adjustments? By allowing the word to renew, is the other blank, our minds, so that we begin to think and act just as Jesus would, okay? So Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual service of worship, your reasonable service, one one translation says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, yep, what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. So the word helps you to come into the perfect will of God. So we can bring every thought captive into the obedience of Christ, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. So we can enhance this process by making a conscious decision, is that other blank, conscious decision to focus our minds on the Philippians 1, 8, my, my whatever um, scripture, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, whatever is admirable. So, you know, as leaders um, in your life, whether you're in school, so if you're not overseeing anyone, you can lead up. Leading up means that from the bottom down, you can influence others by the way you respond to negative boss, to gossip in the workplace. How you respond to that has everything to do with what Christ is doing inside of you. You know, how you talk to people, rudeness, You know, we are not called to be rude people. Let the word be a mirror to remind us of who we are. So in every element from student all the way to bosses, you know, and and bosses, if we have bosses and business owners in the room, be kind to your people. Jesus, when he saw that they came in with feces and dirt on their feet, guess what he did? He wrapped a towel around him and said, I'm going to wash your feet. Okay, because he was the epitome of what servant leadership looked like. And this is where we draw our example. Remember, my hero tonight in the Bible is Jesus. So we want to lead like he leads. He had all the authority, but yet he submitted himself to the authority while he was here in this world. Right? So uh, where was I? So when we do this, we will allow no room for thoughts of lust, greed, envy, you name it, that may have bothered us in the past. To affect us now, putting ourselves in subject to the word. Charles Spurgeon said, um, he's one of my favorite writers and preachers. Um, he said, a Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to a life that isn't. All right? It usually belongs to a life that isn't. So are you just memorizing your Bible just to memorize your Bible? You're memorizing it to act it out, to allow it to change your life. So act on the Bible. Um, a, as you read your Bible, ask God to, one, on there, help you understand what you read. Understand. Two is strengthen your belief in his word. Three, show you what the scriptures ask you to do. Four, give you the faith to do 
what he asks you to do. It's not easy. Listen, living Bible way is one of the hardest things that we will ever do because we're human. We're human and we want to respond we, or we want to react. React is what the flesh does. Response is what the spirit will enable you to do. So reaction, someone cuts you off on the road or someone cuts you off in line or someone didn't acknowledge you. You want to tell them everything that's coming to your mind. But the Holy Spirit inside of you is saying that is not the way of love and that is not the way that you walk, right? That's the response. So if you're upset, remember, whether you're a student or a boss, whether you're not leading anybody, but remember, you're leading by your influence. You want to have a response inside of you that is that old adage that says, what would Jesus do? We should, we should really keep those bands and keep looking at it. I think that used to help a lot of people. Um, it helped me a lot. So give, number four is give you the faith to do what he asks. And number five, allow the word to change how you think and how you act. So apply scriptures that you read. We cover this in growth track in every session. Apply the scriptures by saying, what did it mean to the original hearers of the word? What is the principle, this underlying principle that it's trying to um, teach me? And how can I practice the principle? All right. Meditate on a brief passage of scripture. One under there is saturate yourself with a few verses. Saturate your mind. Read the passage slowly. Right? Ask yourself, how would God want me to react to this passage? What does he have in here for me? Holy Spirit, I don't clearly understand this. Look, the other day I got a word I was telling um, Pastor Rocky. I said, and, you know, and I didn't, you know, sometimes I don't want anyone to explain something to me. I'll just tell him myself. It was, I don't know if it's pride or not. I didn't want anyone to explain because I felt like I should have understood that word. And it was about the new wineskins and the old wineskins. You know, I'm sure all of you Bible scholars in here understand that. But it was just real clear the other day. I was like, oh, my gosh. Holy Spirit just kind of sat. I sat there and I just cried. I was like, that's what it is. The old wineskins are people who are so used to doing things their old way that it's the old way is the best way. Nothing new will satisfy. And the new ones are the ones that's bursting in joy with everything that's new in the word. And guess what? You can't put the old with the new. It just don't mix. So the new ones are going on and the old ones are just staying old. I was like, oh, that was good. <laughs> so I'm sure you all got that. But you see, when he reveals it, it's like it becomes life. I was like, Lord, I don't want to be an old wineskin. Okay, I don't want to be an old wineskin. So um, C is take it, take, talk, think about its meaning in your life. That's one on C. Remember what the mind repeats, it retains. What the mind repeats, it retains. Memorizing scripture is a powerful means of changing your thoughts and your actions to become more like Christ. All right? So as you go through the day, carry your word with you. Get a scripture, like some of it that I go through, and then we have some action points, some takeaways on there. Let me go through this, and then I'll leave you with some words as we close. Um, Your takeaway tonight, at the bottom of that, it's pray and ask God to speak to you through your Bible study daily. And if you haven't picked up the word for 15 minutes, try five. It's okay. No one's counting. It's just you and God there. But just start with one verse and ask the Holy Spirit to put inside of you an insatiable hunger for the word. Ask him. If you don't have a desire for it, say, God, I know I'm supposed to do this because I've got stuff that's troubling me and I don't have an answer for it. But could you just please open my eyes up in the morning or the night that I could read one passage of scripture and God, please help me to memorize it. Beloved, he will do that. He did it for me. He did it for me as a young 20-year-old, and he's doing it 
I mean, 25 years in the Lord, and just the other day I understood that scripture. See, it's a process, but I'm always asking. I go in there really like seeking, God, I want understanding of your word. And the Bible says, you know, wish that no man would teach you but the Holy Spirit. But sometimes you need counselors and teachers to help expose it better. So number two, use a whole Bible um, in a version that you're comfortable with reading. So uh, the NLT is good. When I study, I study straight out of the Holman's Christian um, student Bible because I just love his notes on there. I have the Phineas Dakes Bible that I study from. The writing's getting extremely small for my eyeballs right now. Um, and then I've got the Amplified Classic that I study from. That's great. I know Pastor Joshua loves that. You know, but there's so many different. And if I'm just reading, and here, this is the tidbit that I wanted to give you. When you open up the Word of God, don't just open it up and think, okay, well, it landed on Romans 5, 8. And that's what God wants to speak. Go in there with intentionality. And when you go in there, start reading from the whole chapter of the book with the intention to finish the rest of the chapter. Okay, so don't try to piece it. Go from beginning to end of the chapter so you understand the whole context, who the author was talking to, what the purpose they were trying to explain. So you're not getting bits and pieces. You're getting the whole counsel of the word. Does that make sense? Um, So find a... You know, translation, paraphrases are not word for word. Translations, that's the difference with the paraphrase and the translation. Translations are word for word. Paraphrase is just all kinds of words in there. Close to the original meaning, but just easier for the ears to understand. Um, Our kids today would not understand King James English, okay, because they don't read a lot. Um, Three, get some help. Use a study Bible or a simple Bible handbook that offers an outline, a brief introduction. There's so many different Bible study plans. Find someone to do it with. That's number four. Find a small group, a Bible study that is serious about digging into the Word. That's one of my favorite things to do, y'all, is study the Bible. And create a routine. Determine a time, a place, um, a Bible version, get a journal, write it down, write it down. I have journals upon journals that are filled with just scripture after scripture. And some of it, some of it I can't tell you the verse, the chapter and the verse, but I could tell you the word. Okay, remember, God's not testing me on my chapter and, and um, verse memorization. Okay, because lots of us can do that, but living it is one thing else. I want to learn it in a way that I can apply it to my life and live it out. All right, and there are some suggested reading plans. So what I've been pondering on today is Luke 4.18, the Spirit of the Lord, Lord is upon me like through worship. I had to say that. I know this is Jesus' words, but everything in there, I insert Mira's name in there. Insert your name in the Bible. Make it personal, and you'll start understanding what it is and remembering. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, and here's the authority that it gives us. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the captives recovering the sight of the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. So when we walk with Jesus, we can help the brokenhearted. The blind can receive their sight. Those that are captive can be set free. These are all the promises that the word gives us. And, you know, and we have a benefit of walking with Jesus. And the world is not changing because we haven't developed a love to get it into our lives. And when we walk, people get healed by our shadows like the apostles did. Remember, Jesus said himself, um, and I wrote that verily, verily, John 14, 12. I say unto you, you, and I can call all your names in here. You that say you believe 
in Jesus. The works that I do, you shall do greater works.